Hello, welcome again to Christ United. If we, looks like they're fixing it. Here we go. If we haven't met yet, I'm Kristen Steed. I am our adult ministry coordinator here at Christ United. I'm the person who will get you connected to all the things, studies, small groups, the Embrace Women's event. Feel free to come see me and we can talk about any of those things. So today, Stephanie has invited me to have the opportunity to preach during the sermon series, The Bible on Broadway. Feels appropriate to do jazz hands. I don't know why I've never been in a musical, but that feels right. I was really excited whenever she told me I was going to have the opportunity to preach during the series because I really enjoy musicals. I've watched them and enjoyed them since a kid. We saw The Music Man. We saw King and I. We even saw Beauty and the Beast on Broadway. They have been joyful times in my lives. So it was really thrilling when Stephanie said not only did I get to preach during the series, but I would pick which musical to do. A little overwhelming, but since a kid and to an adult, I decided on Mary Poppins. Has anyone seen Mary Poppins? What about Mary Poppins Returns? Any takers there? Okay, well, awesome. Well, as I was going through this, my heart felt drawn not only to Mary Poppins, but Mary Poppins Returns. Because what we're trying to do during this series is we're trying to find where we can see scripture and faith and our lives live out through different secular areas, such as these musicals. And Mary Poppins Returns was calling to me. But the big question really was at the beginning was which Mary Poppins? Because if you didn't know, there are actually three different ones to choose from. We have the original Mary Poppins, Julie Andrews, who you are probably most familiar with. Her sidekick was Bert, the uh, chimney sweep, Dick Van Dyke. We have Emily Blunt, Mary Poppins Returns. Yes, I know it's not on Broadway yet, but I am lobbying for it. And her sidekick is Lin-Manuel Miranda, who plays the lamplighter Jack. And my favorite Mary Poppins, Nora Steed, my youngest daughter, three-year-old at her dance recital, A Spoonful of Sugar. I didn't feel, find as much content from Mary Poppins of Nora Steed, but she is still my favorite. So today I've decided to go with Mary Poppins Returns. If you haven't seen it, no worries. I'm going to give you a brief introduction and description. It's really fun. If you've seen the first one, you know Mary Poppins swoops in to help not only the children of the Banks family, but the family themselves turn their world back and get a better perspective on life. So in Mary Poppins Returns, little Jane Banks is now very grown Jane Banks. Different actress, but same character. They still live in London. She's a labor union supporter. If you remember, her mother was a suffragette fighting for women's rights. And then her brother, Michael Banks, has also grown up. He is now a father and an artist, and he is living in the childhood home that they lived in, in the original Mary Poppins. He has three children himself. He has twins that are John and Annabelle, and a little son, Georgie. And unfortunately, times are hard. Times are feeling like a struggle for them. Michael and the kids, they've lost their wife and their mom about a year ago. And they're in danger of losing their family home. They're having a really hard time finding happiness in their situation. So just like in the original, this is when Mary Poppins comes out of thin air to come help give them all a turn to change their world around. 
So in the scene that I fell in love with that we're going to talk about today is one with the beautiful Meryl Streep. She comes in to play Mary Poppins' cousin. Let me see if I can get this name right. Tatiana Anastasia Corsatori Topotre-Polovsky, better known as Topsy. We just know she's a very, very distant relative, and even Mary Poppins isn't quite sure of that thick Eastern Russian accent. Nonetheless, Topsy is a fixer. She's good at mending things and fixing things. And unfortunately, the Banks children have broken a bowl, a bowl that was their mother's. So for them, this bowl is priceless, and they are desperate to get it mended. So Mary Poppins takes the whole gang to go see Topsy. Unfortunately, Mary Poppins has forgot that it is the second Wednesday of the month. And on the second Wednesday of the month, Topsy's world turns topsy-turvy. It turns upside down. They literally walk into the foyer and the ceiling becomes the floor and the floor becomes the ceiling. And on this dreaded day, Topsy can't mend anything. Topsy can't fix anything because her world is turning turtle, as she said it. What's turning turtle? And how are we going to fix this? Well, we are in a musical, so I believe there's a wonderful musical number that's going to come and play. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing, but I am going to give you some of the wonderful lyrics to try to explain the situation better. Turning turtle, what exactly does that mean? And this is when Topsy comes in. It means my whole world goes flippity-flop like a turtle on its back. And I don't know my up from my down, my east from my west, my Topsy from my bottom sea. Her world is opposite. She goes into a little bit more detail. As we see, oh, I thought it was important to see what a turtle on his back looked like. I mean, I don't think anyone but a friend or a helper could flip you right side up at this point. So she goes into more detail talking about the opposites here. If fast is slow, low is high, stop is go, and that is why every second Wednesday is a hurdle. From eight to nine, all is well, then I roll over on my shell all because the world is turning turtle. Topsy is not here for this day, but Mary Poppins has come in to show her a different point of view, a different perspective. So Mary Poppins comes in, and while Topsy says, oh, woe is me, now I'm on my head, how can that be? To that, Mary Poppins replies, well, you say woe, but I say lucky you. And of course, Topsy's like, lucky me, this is the worst day ever. But Mary Poppins says, yes, here on your head, A is far behind in letters. I've said it's good to get a different point of view. You see, when the world turns upside down, the best thing to do is turn right along with it. So Topsy does, and Topsy literally turns upside down. So she is on her head. She agrees. It is much better point of view. Now Wednesdays become her favorite days, all with the help of some little perspective. So with this fun look at this scene, I thought there's some places in the Bible where we hear about perspective. And there's someone who came to this world and turned our lives upside down. And that would be Jesus because he did tell us the opposite was true. He said things like, first is last, and last is first. And that turned us all turtle. So today we're going to look at a story. The rich man, as Paris has already pointed out, 
and we're going to talk about how Jesus turned his point of view about the world and the disciples' point of view in this story. Listen, friends, for the word of God. We're in Mark 10 today. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to, eternal, to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother, he said to him. Teacher, I have kept these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own, and give the money to the poor, and you will have the treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the God, to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers, or sisters, or mother, or father, or children, or fields, for my sake, or for the sake of the good news, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, and children, and fields, with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. The word of God for the people of God. Let the church say, so you maybe have heard this story before. I feel like I cheated a little bit because in my preaching course, I just did this scripture, but totally different sermon and totally different angle. But I'll be honest, when I first heard this story again, I wasn't quite sure what to do with it. I wasn't quite sure how to interpret this. I really enjoy my life. I really enjoy it here in Plano. So I'm not going to give away all my possessions and live in a monastery because that just wasn't what I felt God was calling on my heart. But I dug deeper, and I learned there's this beautiful rabbinic tradition and this phrase that they use when they're looking at Scripture, and it's called to turn the gem. So I brought a gem today so that you could see what I was talking about. Now, it's not a real diamond, but it does sparkle like one. So in the rabbinic tradition, they talk about how gems have different facets, faces and sides, and when you turn it, the light refracts in different way, and you're able to see a different point of view. They talk about how scripture could have over 70 faces and over several different points of view. So I took a look at this story again to ask what it was saying to me, what it was speaking to me. First, I thought about how the rich man asks about eternal life. How about they talk about the kingdom of God? Well, what is it? Is it a far-off place? I don't think so. I think we can also experience heaven on earth here. I think we can also experience 
what the feeling of peace and contentment rushes over us when we're feeling fully aligned with God. And I don't think the rich man was feeling that, or else why would he have come to Jesus? So Jesus tells him he lacks one thing. Well, we know it's not possessions because he has many of those. So what else could he lack? So when I turn the gem again, we learn that we can look at different translations to better understand what we are looking at. So when I turned the gem this time, I looked in the King James Version. And in Mark 10, 24, it reads, And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said unto them, Children, how hard it is for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. As I looked it in that direction, I saw it was about trust. The rich man put his trust and his security in his riches over his relationship with Jesus. I could see that from a different angle and how that would feel like the rich man was turning turtle to tell him to give up that trust and follow him. And I think for all of it, it can look differently. Our trust might not lie in our riches, but our trust might lie in different areas of our lives we don't even know about. It might lie where the world has told us this is where to find our peace and contentment. Maybe it's not trust in riches, but maybe it's trust in being perfect. If I can just do everything perfectly well, then I will be happy. Maybe it's always being right. Maybe it's pleasing everybody else in your life. Maybe it's never admitting you're wrong and just working the hardest you can. Because if you are the hardest worker, obviously you will reach the peace and contentment in your life. But sometimes in those ways, they're obviously, just like the riches, not inherently bad. But it's when we put our trust in those areas of our lives instead of the trust in the relationship with God, when it becomes harder to find the kingdom of God, when it becomes harder to find that peace and contentment. I don't know about you all, but when the pandemic hit, I felt like a turtle on my back. I don't think anyone knew their top C from their bottom C whenever we first got there. Left was right, east was west. Things that were normal in our lives were now scary. We weren't sure if we could go to the grocery store or to work or to school or even come to church. And it felt hard and crazy. Another hard thing for me was that I'm a planner. I keep a busy schedule. I go, 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 and do, do, do. And all of a sudden, my beautiful 2020 planner could have just been well thrown in the trash because it was useless. My schedule was clear. Things were very quiet. Very, very quiet. Daily struggles felt like it was good to turn the gem on a few areas. We learned that, yes, we didn't have outside time with others, but we had so much amazing family time. When would we ever get to share family lunches on the patio during the work week? And yes, we couldn't go to the movies, but we make the best movie nights at the Steed household now. We include menus, we include popcorn with candy, tickets, and show times. But it was still really hard for me at the beginning how quiet it got, how I wasn't on the go. I'm currently on the track to becoming a Methodist elder. And on this track, I get asked again and again about my call story. A call story is when you share where you first heard God call you to ministry and what your journey has been like since that's happened. 
For me, I always pinpoint it to a date when I first heard that call at September 8th, 2019. If you've been here at Christ United for a while, you might have been here that day. It was a service we called Belong. I was the communications director at the time, and we really wanted this event to encourage people to engage in small groups and communities and find where they belong. My husband and I have been attending Christ United since 2009, and we had found a great place to belong in our Sunday school class. So I got up there in all three services, and I shared my story. I shared what an amazing experience it's been. And after that story, I heard a loud voice from God tell me, you should do this. But like the rich man, I was shocked. And I said, do what? Not this age, not this stage. That's impossible. So I moved on to my very busy life until the pandemic hit and it got really quiet. After getting the jittery shakes out of the quietness, I was able to really sit with God and figure out what this was invitation was about. And the more that I sat with God, the louder the invitation to ministry came. And the more I had to turn the gem to see if this was possible, if I could actually do this. Needless to say, today I am working towards that goal. But is there something in your life that Jesus is inviting you to turn the gem on? Is there a new perspective that you need to take on things in your lives? It might not be a new career or a life-changing event, but could it be a disagreement with a coworker, a friend, a family member? Could it be a daily life struggle or situation you have that's not changing that you might need to turn the world with it? Or maybe you need to stop putting things first like being perfect or being right or pleasing everybody ahead of your relationship with God. It might feel impossible. It might feel that you cannot even have the capacity to think about how to do this. But as Jesus told the disciples, for mortals, it is impossible. But not for God. For God, all things are possible. Amen.